Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Parent Playing Video Games podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Castlevania Harmony of Dissonance. Dissonance. Yeah, dissonance. Uh, so we're going to be going over the classic traits, or sorry, not traits, the categories of the parent playing, parent playing video games podcast. I'll get there, I promise. Just need to warm up a few minutes. Uh, so we're going to be going over uh, the gameplay of uh, Castlevania. We're then going to jump into the music and then the time commitment, the uh, patent pending kittable section, and then we're going to wrap it up with that conclusion rating and so on and so forth. Uh, so we will jump a little bit into uh, what I'm currently playing. Uh, so I I was actually just saying to my wife, I'm like, oh, I'm actually playing a decent amount right now, but a lot of these are kind of just little snippets of games, which, hey, I'm okay with that. Um, so first, I, I've been playing Diablo 2 Resurrected, um, and uh, I went through and I beat Nightmare. Um, I, I just remembered that was the previous episode. I swear I'm going to get there, I swear. So I beat the Nightmare difficulty, and it, um, it, it was it's classic. I'm in hell now. I kind of haven't even gone any further on that because... Um, I also played this previous weekend, it's May 15th right now, uh, this weekend was the Diablo 4 Server Slam. So that one um, was the, I, th- I believe it's the final beta before the game releases to kind of test out you know, how the servers are going to do with people joining and all that fun stuff. I'm sure if anyone ever remembers playing Diablo 3, the, um, I think it was Error 37, that uh, kind of plagued the logon servers when the game first released. So I uh, got into that, and I did play the previous open beta. I haven't pre uh, pre purchased the game. I I'm not looking to get it day one. I'm probably gonna look at getting it, you know, in a couple weeks after, maybe even a month after, kind of thing. So um, yeah, I, I played the previous open beta, and then this one. I first went through a necromancer, and then I went this time with a sorcerer. And, um, I, I, I mean, I got to lo- the level 20, which was the, um, level needed to get a, a little puppy backpack thing. Uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, you don't actually get to see it in the beta. It's only available in the final game. So I guess, well, we will see, uh, what it's like if and, you know, when eventually I get that game. Uh, but yeah, I did Necromancer the first time, and then I did the... Uh, sorcerer they're both kind of cool i mean uh, i did try after i got to the level 20 uh, with the sorcerer i did try the um sorry the druid and i maybe got to level two or three i've never been a fan of druid class in any game i don't it just doesn't really you know jive with me so i just didn't really care so, uh, yeah, and then I did play Rogue for, like, a couple levels, same sort of thing. I'm just like, why? I'm, I'm just kind of rinse-repeating. I'm not really too keen on playing all the classes. I only had the one night, and when I finished with um, uh, the Sorcerer, geez, uh, the Sorcerer, when I finished with that, it was about 9.30 or so. And I'm like, well, I... I, that's on Saturday. It ends the next day at about noon, and the whole Sunday morning was booked up, like from right from the get go. So I'm like, I'm not gonna have a chance to play any more of this. So do I just want to play another hour of this random character that is gonna be deleted in, you know, eight hours? Yeah, I didn't really care. So with that, I moved on to playing Diablo three. Um, so I started Diablo three actually after I beat Diablo two on Nightmare, and the so I know you can do the adventure mode uh, to just, you know, gain levels and level up and so on and so forth uh, due to seasonal stuff and all that. So I chose not to do that uh, because, and I haven't looked it up, and I still don't know the answer, I don't remember the final boss of Diablo 3, period. So, does it begin with the M? No, maybe? I'm not sure. I just got to Act 2, just started on that. So, um, yeah, I really don't remember any of the story other than a specific old man and his end. 
Um, so I don't remember much of it, so I'm like, I'm playing through it. I know that it's going to take me longer to gain levels and blah, 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 but I'm not like, I'm not really in a rush. I'm okay going through the story and actually consuming the story, probably for the first time since it came out back 12 years ago. So, um, yeah, I'm going through the story of that. I'm enjoying it. I'm playing the Crusader class. Just kind of, I'm not trying to do any, like, min-maxing or guides. I'm just kind of winging it and just having fun. That's something that I do like about Diablo 3 is that the, you don't, you don't have to just always do the same thing. There's, like, 15 levels of difficulty. So if I get far and I'm like, eh, it's a little tricky, I just lower the difficulty. And if I get somewhere and it's easier, well, I can just raise the difficulty. There you go. Now, the big non-Diablo game that I played and actually beat in the last couple of weeks is uh, Cadence of Hyrule. So if you're not aware of what Cadence of Hyrule is, it's a game um, based off of um, Crypt of the Necrodancer. It's a rhythm-based kind of action RPG kind of game. Um, I, I think I only played a bit of Crypt of the Necrodancer, and I know Cadence of Hyrule has some of that, plus, of course, with Hyrule, The Legend of Zelda and that world. So I played through that, and that was good. I was actually tempted on doing this episode on that, but I I kind of had a pretty busy time week or whatever, so I didn't really get a chance to you know write up notes and so forth. So I decided to do it on uh, the Castlevania that I I, mean, I did recently play and beat it. Uh, but yeah, Cadence of Hyrule, oh my gosh, the music, the music, it is so good. I mean, the music has to be good, because it is literally the whole foundation of the game is music, rhythm, beats, all that. The story is, I mean, the story is just classic, you know, Zelda, pretty much. Uh, but it was cool, because the way that they kind of built the game reminds me very much of the original Legend of Zelda, which... To be truthful, I've only played a little bit of it, but just like each screen was its own little like puzzle is what I vaguely remember. And in Cadence of Hyrule, they did a a very good job with that. So um, yeah, I played it, I beat it. There, I I did it during the uh, they had a one week trial of the game, which Nintendo do every now and then, and it kind of is a not really an extended demo because it's the full game like if you wanted to which i did i played and i beat it in that time i did actually end up buying it with the dlc i think it was like 50 or 60 percent off so i got the whole thing with all the dlc for i want to say it was like maybe 20 bucks 17 bucks either way um and and when i didn't even realize it it's kind of like a roguelite in that uh you each time you start a game it's a random sort of uh, collection of screens so you know the desert's at the top left in one time and then it's at the top right in another or something along the lines of that again i only played through one time and i did a little dabble on a second playthrough but then i moved along on to uh, other stuff uh but yeah that was really cool um and there's a bunch of different characters you can play as and tweaks it a little bit. So again, I'm almost certain I will be uh, doing an episode on that game. It was a ton of fun. I really, really quite enjoyed it. Now on to the game. So Castlevania, Harmony of Dissonance. So this was released back uh, originally, uh, back in September 2002. Um, I played it first with the Advanced Collection on Switch, um, similar to the previous uh, game, the Castlevania Circle of the Moon. Uh, I'm granted I played that one originally back on the Game Boy Advance. So, um, yeah, I I actually have... I uh, don't have it at my desk. I actually have a cartridge, and it was actually a two-pack, and it was, I think, Harmony of Dissonance and Aria of Sorrow, which is the third game in the uh, advanced, uh, Castlevania Advance games. And um, I remember playing it. I think I tried it a couple times. I really couldn't get into it. Um, I've, uh, since starting the podcast, I've kind of committed to my uh, playing of games that maybe don't jive with me at first. And um, so far it's been pretty decent. Uh, this was to be a... 
a little bit of a spoiler of how it ends. It's definitely on the lower end of my um, choices of if I were to play again. So, as I said, first played it with the Advanced Collection, which was great. I mean, there was a lot of cool features on that that helped with the game. And, I mean, it. I've said this before, but anytime I can play a game where I don't have to pull out my phone and go to a wiki or Google this or Google that to find a map or find, well, how do I find this, I, this item? Um, I... This is great with that. The Circle of the Moon did it where in the events collection it had the encyclopedia, and this kind of continues on with that. So it made it a much more enjoyable experience to play. So, uh, for the gameplay, um, we'll start with the story, as is tradition. Um, it's a Castlevania story. It is nothing too crazy. Uh, so you have Just Belmont. It's a weird name, Just. It's like Justin, but... Without the mm. um, and then Maxim, really really cool name that is. Uh, they try to find Liddy in a castle. That's pretty much it. Um, so they show up and they're like, "Oh, where's Liddy? Oh, I don't know. Where do you know? Where you know? Anyway, so as you go along, you're playing as Just uh, and Belmont, being you know he is a uh, descendant from the Belmont clan, and uh, he is going through the castle and he's he, find, he sees Maxim near the beginning and he's a little dazed confused so on and so forth he's like oh he's like it, it seems familiar man I'm like, oh. so you keep going you find him again he gets a little bit more confident but also not exactly the Maxim that just may normally know continues on so on and so on you do eventually meet up with death you find out yeah this is Dracula's castle hey welcome figure it out so, as time goes on, you're going to actually find out that Maxim is not really who you believe he should be. So, he's actually been uh, kind of possessed uh, by, um, I guess, the soul and parts of Dracula and is kind of become evil and now he wants to, you know, bring Dracula back in full. And, of course, this is all heavy spoilers, right? We're not going to beat around the bush, per se. Uh, but, yeah, pretty much you get further along and you actually find out that there's kind of, you know, in quotes, two castles where you are... It isn't like in uh, other games where it's a flip around upside down. It's the same thing, but, you know, like maybe there's an extra wall here or maybe on this one on castle a you can blow away this wall and it affects an immovable wall on castle b so the progression is neat in that sense where you flip back and forth like oh i want to go over here well i can't well you go to castle b you can go through that wall and now you're on the other side and you know can continue with castle a kind of thing uh that I kind of wish that could have been used a little bit more because I know I just said I love games where I don't have to look anything up, but, and we'll get into this later, I beat this game very easily with near 100% of everything collected um, without looking anything up. Now, again, like, I'd like to think I'm fairly good at video games, but I'm not that good, <laughs> kind of thing. So, again, there's pros and cons to it. So, um, it is similar to Symphony of the Night. Um, so, uh, Igarishi, Iga, sorry, I'm going to double check that name. Let me see. Got the old Wikipedia here. Uh, yeah, Koji Igarishi, um, who is kind of like the father of Symphony of the Night. He's the one that made that and is is kind of that modern Castlevania slash Metroid, so, you know, Metroidvania uh, creator, um, he actually produced this one. And what he wanted to do was pretty much create a symphony in a night for the Game Boy Advance. And I think he did it, but I think a lot of corners were cut to get to that goal. Um, so, yeah, it's good, but I think it's almost like a, almost kind of like a jack-of-all-trades. It did a bunch of things, but it never did anything really great. So, um, yeah, similar to Symphony of the Night, uh, the main weapon is the whip, as always, well not always, because Symphony of the Night, I literally just said that there isn't really a main weapon, you can change that. Uh, you also have sub-weapons, you know, the classic ones using the hearts as that ammo, uh, you got the dagger, 
axe sacred fist which i'll be honest never used i got it i'm like oh wow this sucks and i never used it again holy water holy book and cross now in this one i think uh i think i use the holy book most of the time but what's really neat is that yes you have the sub weapon so the dagger you throw a dagger the axe it goes in that arc right the cross classic castlevania weapon it goes like that boomerang ring but what's cool in this one is that there's actually uh five um different kind of books that are spell books that will change what your sub weapons does or sub weapons do uh so i'm trying to remember exactly which ones it is but one of the first ones i remember getting was the ice book and i use holy water and what happens is just kind of like you know, hovers for a second, and then from each side of him, because he's always in the middle of the screen, from each side of him, uh, it almost looks like these, uh, you know, plumes of water come out, and from him cascading to the outside of the screen on each side, uh, it goes, and it does that, hits enemies, and bigger enemies, it hits more, because they're bigger. So that one was really cool. Uh, you have a, you know, as I said, it's the spell books are fire, ice, thunder, wind, and then summoning... The summoning one is kind of a makes it really really easy to beat the game when you have summoning because they just uh, they are big screen attacks and they do a really good job. Uh, as I said, I didn't. Funny enough, in this one, Circle on the Moon, as soon as I got the cross, it never left. In this one, I kind of stuck with the book, the Holy Book, and the Holy Water, just because they gelled better with the spell books. So as I said, I. I definitely use the ice one a lot, uh, and I mean you can imagine it's one, two, three, four, five, six times five, so there's six times five, ooh, thirty. There's thirty different possible sort of you know spell combination things. So there's a lot to choose from, and that's neat in that it can change up your playstyle a little bit. Um, so you got your sub weapons, your spell books. Now we're moving on to the relics. These are those permanent upgrades uh, that you get in a lot of Castlevanias. So they all have fun names. We'll just quickly go through them. So Lizard Tail, clearly that's your slide. That makes sense. Sylph Feather, that's your double jump. Griffin's Wing is your high jump. Solar shows how much damage is done. Fairy Journal shows the enemy name. Also, just a quick little thing. Some of these are there to pad the item list, in my opinion. Like, come on, show how much damage done, show the enemy name. Okay, I guess. I'm pretty sure there's only one other Castlevania that shows those, or has those as extra items. Most other Castlevania games, you kind of just have it. So, uh, and then, uh, sorry, I got lost. So, Monster Tome is an encyclopedia, which... Is made redundant with the uh, advanced collection simply because you have the encyclopedia built in with the actual collection of the game you don't need it in the game and the one that's in the collection of the game is a much better encyclopedia uh, and then this is kind of cool I didn't know um, way back when what this name was why uh, but you have eye heart rib nail fang and ring of Vlad because Dracula's name is Vlad I didn't know that for so many years um, so those ones there these ones actually make it a much nicer um, uh, kind of game to play it gives you a lot of cool quality of life things so uh, we have the uh, the eye increases luck the heart prevents stone rib prevents poison now those two alone are really cool however Again, I'm going to make a lot of comparisons to Circle of the Moon just because, again, it was more of the... It's the first in that advanced trilogy. I played it quite recently. It's one of my favorite ones. Um, poison in this game is like... It's just... A, it's like barely even a scratch. Um, poison in Circle of the Moon. If you get poison, if you don't use an antidote, you're probably going to die. <laughs> like, it just... It lasts a long time, does a lot of damage. In this one... I don't know, I mean, yeah, it's kind of annoying, but I I don't even remember dying that many times in this game. It was a much easier game, um, which, I mean, take it, you know, it's either good or bad, but, like, eh, it's also not the end of the world. Uh, anyway, so back to these Vlad items. So the Nail of Vlad increases strength, 
Fang increases defense, and then Ring, I have in my notes here, increases luck. But I have the Eye of Vlad to increase luck. So either they both do, or one of those is incorrect. I will leave it up to you to figure that out. Let me know. Uh, anyway, so... I mean, these are all parts of Vlad. So as I said earlier in that story part, is that Maxim uh, has been possessed because he's collected all these parts of Vlad. They kind of have taken him over. Think, um, or how, how, how my interpretation of it is, think of, uh, you know, uh, Ron, if you've watched Harry Potter, but if you haven't, let's just skip this for the next 10 seconds. Uh, Ron in the Deathly Hallows, you know, he's holding onto the Horcrux, he's getting kind of corrupt, so on and so forth. So Maxim gets corrupt, and then, you know, he's trying to summon uh, Mr. Vlad, and clearly it doesn't go well. He doesn't have the fortitude and, you know, the strength to actually prevent being taken over. But now just, of course... Because you collect these, in my notes here, it said you need all the parts of Dracula to unlock them and defeat him. So that kind of alludes into a little, well actually probably the biggest spoiler later on. So we'll go to that in a little bit. So, uh, as I had mentioned, there's those two castles. Um, and at the beginning of the game, there's one. However, you do hit one of the teleporters early and uh, just kind of says something and I didn't catch it at first I kind of thought about it after the fact but he pretty much says something along the lines of like this castle looks the same but different somehow and that's exactly how they are um, not everywhere in the castle is a complete kind of like you know if you take a piece of paper and you put tracing paper over it it's not an exact one-to-one -one replica where the color goes from blue to green kind of thing um, there's some things that only exist in Castle A, some only in B, and then some where they overlap. Um, I think more than anything, it was probably just a limitation of the Game Boy Advance. They probably couldn't put all of it together, because if they did, it would just be too big of a game. Uh, and again, it's not the end of the world, right? It, it was a fun game to play. It, if it was more, it would just feel like they just made it more, not necessarily better. Uh, more doesn't always equal better. Um, so there's teleporters. So those, this one I actually kind of did like. So um, you can use the teleporter, and I believe if you press up on the on the D-pad, you can teleport to other... Actually, no, this one's different. Sorry, I just remembered. So when you do that, uh, you go... It's like the teleporters is A to A, and then this other teleporter is B to B, C to C. You can't go from A to C, for an example. So it's kind of just like a two-way teleporter. But then if you go to the teleporter rooms and you press down, you kneel, it flips you to the other castle. Um, and again, then you find your way through there. One thing that I don't really... I feel like there's quite a lot of optional bosses in the game. And not a lot of mandatory bosses. Um, so maybe that's why the speedruns are as quick as they are. Uh, just because they you don't have to actually hit all the bosses. You can skip, I think, most of them. So, um, yeah, as I said, so you can go between the teleporters. The enemies and the spike in difficulty is... Um, I don't want to say non-existent, but it is... It really doesn't get difficult ever. As I said, I, I mean, I may have died a couple times, but honestly, the bosses, I had the same strategy for them on almost all of them. And maybe with the book that I had and the sub-weapon that I had, I can't remember which combo I used all the time, but it made fighting the boss... Actually, you know what? I just remembered. It was the cross with something. And what it did was like a whirlwind of crosses around Just, but it also makes Just invincible at the time. So he does this, and for six seconds, you're invincible... And you're just hitting these bosses. And the bigger they are, you get multiple hits on all of them. So, you know, I only had to do that two to four times for each boss and they're dead. And I wasn't grinding. I wasn't trying to get more uh, of my magic so I could cast the spells more. Sure, I mean, I'd use a, a magic potion every now and then. But it's not like I was like, ooh, gotta save it. I think I ended the game with a dozen. It's not like it was a... Uh, I didn't feel too challenged, I guess. Let's, let's leave it at that. 
Um, so sorry, back to the castle. So the corridors in the room, same shape, might have a different bit of a layout. And then something that I, again, this is more of just a, it's kind of like, again, this game came out and we said 2002. Um, so I think, yes. And so in 2002, there weren't really a large amount of, I don't think any actually, because I believe I'm talking about achievements. I think achievements would have come out with the Maybe the Xbox 360? Maybe? Either way, if it was around at that time, either way, there weren't really that many. So the furniture room, this is as you're, you know, scoping out the castle, you'll find items that are useful. A potion or a weapon upgrade. Or not a weapon upgrade, sorry, like a, a different um, a spell book, for instance. Or one of your relics, those permanent upgrades. Uh, but in this one here, a lot of the items that you find are things like a chair, a chandelier, a wardrobe, a bed. And what it is is you eventually find a room, and I don't know officially what it's called. I was calling it the furniture room, but pretty much you go in there, and if you have found an item since, uh, it'll just, you know, close the screen, load it, and it'll kind of, like, place the item. You can then use it as kind of like a, you know, quote-unquote 100%ing of the game. Uh, the actual measurement of the percentage in the game is like a lot of Castlevanias based on the map completion. You know, how much of the map you've explored. Uh, but in this one, it adds that extra element because even though you may have 100% of the map of both castles complete, if you've missed two or three items for the furniture room, you're still missing out on that. And you can go through um, in the menu, there's a, a section for all the items for the furniture room. So you can kind of see, oh, I'm missing four things. Um, so, and then you can scope it out and check it out. Um, I I don't believe it was in the original, just based on the placement of the icons. So when you're in a new area, um, on the right side of the screen, outside the uh, original resolution or aspect ratio of the Game Boy Advance, the Switch has black bars on the right and left. Um, in this game though, on the right side in that black bar, in this area, let's say the catacombs or the chapel, you may have like three squares and it could be one red one, two blue ones. The red one is generally a, you know, um, like a, one of those actual items that you care about kind of thing. Whereas the blue are those furniture room item, uh, items. So for an example, I go to the chapel, I see two blue. I'm like, cool, I have two of those items to find here. I go through the whole area. I believe I found everything, but I only found one of those. I'm like, oh, okay there's still one left. So it isn't, let's say, oh, okay, I have this whole giant double castle and I need two more items. I don't even know where to start. This helps you at least narrow down to the area rather than trying to, again, kind of traverse the whole castle and hope for the best kind of thing. So once you've uh, beaten the game, like a lot of Castlevanias, you can play different modes. Um, so this one here... Uh, first is uh, up with the Maxim mode. Uh, so what that one does is it allows you to play as Maxim. Um, you can't even use the menu, like can't use any items, can't equip any items. Very quick at moving and attacking. It has a very uh, unique set of moves that you can learn as well. Um, so I did play that a little bit and, you know, right at... And this happens a lot in Castlevania games. Right at the beginning, there's the um like the the initial entrance area and there's usually a place up high that you can't reach without double jump or the griffin jump so the high high jump and you can't get there without that but of course that's much later in the game so you have to backtrack but then you know for instance maxim he can do that high jump immediately so you start the game you walk up and then you're up in that more advanced area pretty much immediately um, now, because you can't equip any items or use any items, um, a lot of the, you know, placeholder places where you would have gotten, um, even a potion, uh, is just a bit of gold, which, I mean, gold you can use at the shops, and in this case, I don't even know what you would use it for, but really, Maxim is like, this is the character, play it, you know, don't ask any questions kind of thing. Uh, so, a next mode is on there is uh, a boss rush mode, 
and that is very self-explanatory. Rush through the bosses. Uh, you can play this as just uh, Maxim or Simon Belmont from Castlevania 1 on the Nintendo. Uh, and I didn't go into this. I don't have any care personally for uh, boss rush modes. But I do believe um, that... Doot, doot, doot. Uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that one there used the, the sprite of the original Simon Belmont from when I read about it. So, uh, Next one is hard mode. It's not really a hard mode. Enemies have more health, do more damage. That's that. It is an old school hard mode. Nothing really changes in the game. And then the last one is a no magic mode, which is a really hard mode. Because as I said, like almost every single boss that I did Every big fight that I did, I just used magic. If I didn't have that, <laughs> that would be a tricky fight. Um, so now I want to get into the endings. And so big spoiler here. Um, we're, let's say, if you're not too keen on hearing the spoilers on the ending, um, I'd say just go ahead a couple minutes sort of thing. Um, so again, last warning, big spoilers. So... Uh, as I said, there's Castle A and B, um, and there's actually three endings in the game, and this is one of the parts I had to look up. So, you beat it in Castle A, you beat it in Castle B, and then you beat it in Castle B while wearing the Maxim and just bracelets. Um, pretty much depending on which you beat kind of determines how the game ends. So I can't remember exactly which it is, but I know the best ending is Castle B while wearing those bracelets. And that's where you, Maxim, and Liddy all escape. The other ones are where only you escape or only you and Liddy escape, I think. So pretty much you... Like, Dracula always dies. Well, actually, that's not true. Uh, in two of them, Dracula always dies. Um, but... Only in one of them does everyone survive, kind of thing. Okay, on to the music. Um, so, I, I'm not going to be the nicest on this music. I'll be upfront. I, I didn't really enjoy most uh, of it. A couple tracks kind of were okay. Um, in my list of, and I'll put this in very heavy quotes, favorites. There's only one song, and then I have the OC remix. Uh, which I chose not based off of that one song. I chose based off the fact, one, there was only two OC remixes with this game. And two, um, I just like this remix more than the other one. Uh, but both the remixes are better than any other song in the game. And I know, I know. That's pretty harsh critique. Um, and I, it's weird because I don't really know why. The music in the previous game was insanely good. And then in this one, it was just, eh. It was like, oh, okay, it's there. Um, it seemed very much like the Game Boy Advance hardware really limited it. Um, in Castlevania Circle of the Moon, yeah, you could tell that it was on a on a more a weaker console. That's totally fair. It literally was a Super Nintendo for your pants. Mm, that's weird. A Super Nintendo that you can fit in your pocket. That's a little bit better. Um, especially because the composers of this are Sotaro Tojima and Michiru Yamane. Again, I really hope I'm saying those names correctly. Um, either way, uh, so Sotaro, Sotaro, sorry, uh, they were a composer on Circle of the Moon. And to hear what they did with the first one to what they did with this one, it's, um, honestly, it's like polarizingly different. It seems to not make any sense. And I don't know why. I'm not too sure, you know, what the musical direction was. I think they, again, bit off a bit more they can chew with the idea of, like, Symphony of the Night for the Game Boy events. I think that was probably a mistake when it came to, the, you know, the graphics and the, um, you know, sound and things like that. Uh, nonetheless, um, as I said, none of it really jumped out. Um, but the ver the first one... Or the, I guess, the only one from the game on my list. Um, it's called Offense and Defense. It's nothing, again, nothing to go, uh, nothing to go crazy about. But it's still a good song. It has a good beat to it, especially when you're playing the game. It kind of, you know, gets you going a little bit, sort of thing. Um, so, as I said, only song that I chose from the game. Uh, so we're on to the OC remix 
uh, s uh, selection is called Swingin' with Death. Um, and that is from Successor Fate, which is just Belmont's theme. Uh, so this one is honestly the big reason I chose this is because it's like a swing music and it's got some classic little bits of Castlevania in there. It also gets really gritty and kind of weird near the end. It's fairly short. I don't even think it's three minutes long. Um, so yeah, it gets kind of weird at the end, but it's a fun song overall. Okay, after the music is our time commitment. So um, this one here, I, as I said, I got through, and so the, sorry, the percentages of the game is not out of 100. It's actually out of 200. So when I'm playing the game, I'm getting to like 75, 80, 85%. I'm like, am I already almost done this game? I'm like, okay, I guess. I'm like, whatever. I'm like, it isn't my highlighted game of the year, you know? It's, it's fine. But I'm like, I guess it'll be done soon. And then Second Castle. I'm like, ah, yes, yes. This trick, it is out of 200%. So earlier when I said out of 100, I got to, you know, 97, 98 on my own, I got to like 198 on my own, 196. Um, so I did, and I'll be honest, I, I looked up a few things, right? Um, I did find, I think, all but two of the items for the furniture room, looked up the rest, quickly grabbed them, and then I think that was it, because the map, the map was actually quite quite good quite clear so i can see which rooms um, i was missing um so yeah i got all that 200 percent all items in the furniture room all relics all spell books i completed 100 200 the game and took me six hours 13 minutes 42 seconds that is honestly really quick for someone who did it fully on their own for the very first time and okay fully 198 percent on their own for the first time I was surprised, um, like, way back when I played Super Metroid. Like, I can beat that game now in probably not even two hours, and that thing took me, like, 12 hours to beat. That's the kind of, uh, you know, length I would have expected. Maybe not 12, but something around that 10 mark. And it took only six hours. I was, again, I was surprised. I wasn't sad that it was over, because, as I said, it's not my uh, top game of the year. So I did play, again, the advanced collection, and this probably helped with the uh, lower time because it had all those great quality of life features like save states and the encyclopedia. Yeah, there's times where I saved right before the boss, right at the door. But in reality, two screens over was the save. So even though I died once or twice on that boss... I don't know, maybe, what, a safe 30 seconds? And even then, I don't think that would even include or sort of count towards the final time. Nonetheless. Um, yeah, the save states are great for a game, especially like a Castlevania game, man. They're not always the easiest, right? Uh, so you do have some good replayability um, with those extra modes. Uh, as I said, I did play the Maxim one, and it's tough. I actually saw... I think it was uh, someone on Reddit, a Reddit post where there's like, you know, is New Game Plus even worth it to you? And I feel like I have not done a lot of New Game Plus. Because if you think of it, playing as Maxim um, is the New Game Plus. It's just you get to play it again with a different character. Well, you didn't do that originally in, you know, when you're in original save. So even though there's the extra modes... Uh, I would say the only one, personally, that I would even bother with is Maxim. Boss Rush, don't care. Hard mode, I don't need more difficulty in my life. I got enough going on. No magic mode, that's just extra hard. I don't think so. So, yeah, I mean, if I were to do it again, yeah, sure. I'd play as Maxim and kind of chug through it kind of thing. But, again, I wouldn't have to go and do 200% on that second playthrough. So, it would probably be much, much quicker for me to actually beat. So... Um, on our how long to beat o meter, um, <laughs> it is uh, the main story is at seven and a half hours. Completionist is at eleven and a half. So I um I mean I I don't know why I did it quick. I maybe the game just flowed really well for me. You know if you're like doing a crossword puzzle and you're like bam this clue bam that clue bam this clue you kind of just get through it real quick. Maybe that was kind of the uh, same sort of thing with this. It just I worked really well with this game, 
So I beat it quicker than most. Uh, toot your own horn, so on and so forth, right? Our uh, speed run. <laughs> so I chose two of these. Uh, the first one I'll talk about is um, just no out of bounds. And the out of bounds section is really important because of the next speed run. So that's done by an individual by the name of Ponpon uh, over in Japan. Uh, 33 minutes, 52 seconds. So, um, yeah, substantially quicker than what I did it, even though I did it pretty quick, if I don't say so myself. Um, I, I kind of skipped ahead through the video a little bit. Uh, it's really quite impressive how crisp um, Ponpon makes the movement in the game look. It is not. It is so floaty and all over the place. I could not get used to it. But Ponpon makes it look like the original Mario Brothers, like those tight, tight, tight controls. What makes a Metroidvania really good, like Super Metroid. So, as I said, just no out of bounds, uh, 33.52. Uh, um, then, uh, maxim any percent, and we all know our any percents are borderline no rules. Ponpon did it in 29 seconds and 360 milliseconds. So that one I watched in full because, you know what, I have 30 seconds to spare. Uh, to be honest with you, it was boring. But it was insane how broken it is. So that one I definitely recommend you watch because spare 30 seconds. But pretty much, yeah, they do the first jump. They hit one of the lanterns where you'd get hearts out of it. Do something and Maxim just like shoots across the screen they go up several screens they go right one up another go over a bunch flip 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 go up and then they're fighting dracula and they do an attack and it just does what seems like 300 attacks a second and dracula just melts and that's it 29 seconds and you're done so um yeah as i said it's neat to see but i wouldn't watch someone grind to go down from you know 35 seconds to 34 33 32 i would be mind-numbingly boring because i mean you're watching the same thing um probably five times a minute because they're they're gonna reset they're not gonna get the trick done on the first try so there you go reset reset so again the no out of bounds the non any percent ones 33 minutes those are kind of cool you can go through and see uh, that kind of thing. So how kiddable is Harmony of Dissonance? Um, so I, I'm going to liken it to... Um, sorry, I'm going to liken it to the Circle of the Moon. And with that one, uh, similar things. The controls are simple because, as I've said, those 2D side-scrolling games make it a little bit easier the translation is easier right you go you press right they go right on the screen you can line it up uh this one though it i never got fully used to it but the controls i said it earlier they're so floaty when you jump it's like he i, I don't know it jumps like luigi in mario brothers or you know what actually it kind of reminds me of the new super mario brothers games and how the floaty controls were on there. But those ones I did eventually get used to. And you know. I accepted it per se. You know or sort of thing. So but this one. Eh, I just couldn't couldn't do it. Again I think as well because. Because I wasn't super invested in this game. And I was kind of like you know what sure. Let's see what it's like. Get through it. Be done with it kind of thing. I'm like eh. I just. I didn't have that much invested. And it is what it is. So a little bit floaty and weird. But again, um, not impossible to control, even in the slightest. Still easy to control. They were predictable. How about that? They were always the same no matter what. It's not like you jump one way, it's like this. Jump another way, you only go half the height. It was still predictable, which is very important in any game as well as you know a side-scroller like this. Um, so while most Castlevanias are not easy... Uh, this one isn't that hard either. Um, I've played a handful of Castlevania, so my kind of, you know, sample size is low. And I will admit that, but I would say this is probably the easiest one I've played. Um, Circle of the Moon is challenging at the beginning, uh, but you can always grind and gain levels to make it just a little bit easier. And then near later on when you get better items, well, you get better items, 
This one, I don't know, man. As I said, I, every single boss that I hit, I just did those spells and it kind of just went through. And maybe I did a disservice to myself. Maybe I should have been like, you know what? Maybe I won't use that spell. Maybe I'll use something else. But if it's there for me to play with, um, I'm going to kind of want to play with it, right? So, um, and as I said, you know, with enough time, a younger kid who may be having more difficulty, well, they're just going to get good <laughs> they're gonna practice and they'll gain levels so not only is the character getting better but they are too so it's kind of like a double whammy um the advanced collection has those save states as uh, had said so makes it much more um what's the word not a not easier per se but i said per se quite a few times but it just makes it a little bit uh, easier to start getting into it and a little forgiving there it is. I knew I'd get it. So yeah, a little more forgiving on that. Um, so yeah, as I said, not the hardest game, not the easiest game, a little forgiving. Um, so I think, I think the I get I haven't played Aria of Sorrow yet. I do want to play that one day. But so far, the Castlevania Advance Collection. Um, if you and again, Circle of the Moon to Harmony Dissonance are completely separate. You don't need to play one to enjoy the other and vice versa. Um, but I would say when it comes to, hey, do you want to play a Castlevania game? Let's start with the easier one of the two. Harmony Dissonance, then Circle of the Moon. That's how I would go. And even when it comes to uh, the... Uh, what's the word? The kind of like the mechanics of them i don't think you're you know gaining something really cool in harmony of distance that circle of the moon didn't have and then happening to lose it when you play circle of the moon um i don't think harmony of distance really brought anything that big to the table to improve the gameplay that much to really make an effect so yeah you can interchange them for sure i would say uh, harmony of distance for the easier well, option first then circle of the moon is my uh, recommended order now Aria of Sorrow if and when I ever do get around to that um, you know maybe we'll throw that in the mix I'm sure I'll do an episode on that and then have a nice little trilogy of Castlevanias wrapped up and then we can see where that lands in there as well and that brings us to our conclusion so as I said at the beginning I'm gonna be pretty harsh on this one gonna be fairly critical so the rating, my, you know, rating that I'm going to give it, it's a 5 out of 10. Um, would I play it again? No, probably not. If I were, it would be only to do the maxim mode. Um, I, I just don't think I'd ever actually play it again. Um, and the biggest reason is mainly the, I mean, most Castlevania stories are bleh, whatever. But none of the enemies were inspiring. None of the skills were that cool. Um, there really wasn't anything I missed out on, so I feel like I got my, you know, money's worth kind of thing. I think I got the whole collection for 20 bucks or so, so I got my $7 worth. I'm very happy with that. Um, but yeah, 5 out of 10. Um, it's, it's tough to follow Circle of the Moon. So as I said, you know, if you play Circle of the Moon and Harmony Dissonance, maybe you'd have the same mentality as myself. However... Maybe you wouldn't because I may have a little bit of nostalgia goggles for, <coughs> excuse me, for Circle of the Moon. Um, it's still a decent Castlevania. It's not a terrible game. Don't get me wrong. I still had a lot of enjoyment. I, I 200%ed it. I got every item in the game. If I didn't enjoy it, I would have just said, you know, I'm done with this game. Either stop because, you know, I want to play something else that's more worth my time or just get to the end and be done with it i didn't though so clearly there was something in this game so maybe five is a little too low you know we're gonna we're gonna smidge it up we're gonna go to a six on this one yeah so um it's again i'll leave it at six i don't want to drag on on that too much and um so far of all the castlevanias i've played this is probably my least liked um, and I'm going to try and list them off just really off the top of my head. So, Circle of the Moon, Symphony of the Night, this one. Um, I, nope, 
that's I was gonna say Bloodstained, but that's not Castlevania. It's a you know spiritual successor, which that one one day we'll do an episode of that. I'm sure. I yeah I can't really think of any other Castlevania. I have tried Super Castlevania Four. Really don't like it. Um, I may have tried the original Castlevania. Really don't like that either. I I'm not a fan of the arcade styles. So anything um, Super Castlevania Four and prior, I believe, are mostly the arcade style. Whereas going further is the more Metroidvania, you know, following the Symphony of Night sort of formula. Um, I feel like I played more than three, but now I'm listing them out. Maybe not. I think I tried the like N64 GameCube 3D ones. Those ones sucked. I don't even want to bother. Like those aren't Castlevania games. I mean, they probably are, but I didn't like. Them. Nonetheless, we're gonna give this guy, this Harmony of Dissonance, a six out of ten. Um, I wouldn't recommend playing it on its own, but if you have the advanced collection, hey, why not? I mean, you, you've already paid for the game, so give it a try. And with that, I'd like to thank you for listening to uh, this episode, episode six. Uh, another one in the bag, a little bit shorter than the others, but that's okay. Um, we will be doing another episode in two weeks, uh, as is our schedule. Um, I... I so I know on this game I kind of dumped on it. I'll be honest, it is not up there on my favorite games. But I still generally, I think, had fun playing it. Um, I, I'll i be honest, I was not super keen on doing this episode. Uh, the previous episode that we had done, um, the audio was quite poor on it. And I had to work pretty hard to figure out how to fix it. Um, learned a little bit about some audio things, so that's fun. Um, but this episode I'm much happier to do. It's just a little kind of like, eh, I don't really want to go through that again. Um, but, you know, in the end, still had fun. That's the whole point, right? I get to um, not only tell everyone that's listening, but just throw that archive there again, how my thoughts are uh, when it comes to gaming at this point in my life. Um, so as I said, next episode's in two weeks. Um, remember, as I like to say, hugs give your loved one a hug if you have a kid give them a hug if you have a pet maybe they'd like a hug i'm sure a dog will a cat you know what i'll let you risk it how about that but hugs for everyone hugs are great uh and as is our tradition here is your uh bi-weekly bi-monthly here's your dad joke of the episode it takes guts to be an organ donor with that, have a great afternoon, evening, day, whatever it may be, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks.